been away so and it's none of your business long. as to where oh, i thought you were gonna finish i thought you were gonna oh. finish each other's we were gonna fi- finish each other's <laughs> sentences and we have not <laughs> recorded in such a long hour time <laughs> <laughs> but that's because we've been busy and doing things that are of high intellect. None of your business. <laughs> <laughs> We're not, you had to practice this. I thought that we would be better at this because we. By now, yeah. We sh- well, I guess we're not very similar, and we don't really share a lot of the same thought processes, but we share <laughs> a lot of the same conclusions. I think and we do, yeah. And isn't that what would enable us to finish each other's sentences? Right. There we go. There we go. Uh, the other reason that we haven't been able to record is because the water in Philadelphia is poison it's been it's poison. poison i think it might not be poison anymore but i'm unsure and i'm gonna gonna be vulnerable because you know we're behind a paywall i'll admit something i've, I've been drinking tap water um i know <laughs> that it's lead <laughs> like i know i mean, it's, I've been it's my tap water not. too yeah it's healthy you live, in, you live in like you know crunchy granola no vaccines part you think there's like there's like kashi in the fucking water or something yeah and i live in like because when i trash water like well don't be so sure because when i when i uh like river when i fill my glass with my delicious refreshing tap water um it's like white at first Mm. and then it settles down so and Mm. i just drink it anyway because you know whatever's in there it's probably good for me I stopped drinking the tap water because I, um, I'm not here for a long time. I definitely Mm -hmm. am here for a good time, but I'm not opposed to being here for a long time. And I Mm -hmm. think that like water poisoning, not how I want to go out. And also I have two precious, beautiful dogs and I don't Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want them to drink the the poison water and like, they have to die eventually, but not that way. So, well, and also, you're here for a short time, but a good time, right? And I wouldn't say water poisoning would would constitute as a good not time. Good. Not yeah. one of the ways I want to die. Although, the way that I would like to go out, if mm. I can be in charge, is I would like to die via drowning in the ocean. Not okay. not a bathtub drowning because that's like. Dark, like who pushed to like produced by Selena Gomez type of deal, like 13 Reasons Why. Well, she didn't drown in the bathtub, did she? I think she. Well, she she slid her wrist and then she kind of put her head under, I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah, that's not. I'm not trying to. No, I would like to keep living. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope all of you feel the same way, but just like when, when my time comes, I hope that that time is like me, 97 years old on a surfboard mm. in the Atlantic ocean, the correct mm. ocean. And I wipe out <laughs> mm-hmm. and then, you know, it's like, uh, it's kind of stormy cause I, I live on the edge and I was surfing during like a mild hurricane Mm-hmm. And uh, no one realizes like that I'm that I was under until I've been under for a while, and then everyone's like, "Ah, they're old." Like that's probably let, it. And that's how I go. Let me ask you this though: um, before this moment, when you're 90 years old and you're surfing in stormy weather, have you ever surfed before in your life, or is this like oh, the first day? I like surf all the time. Oh, I didn't know that. I used Fun to like. Ooh, new lore. I used to win surf competitions. I almost surfed Hurricane Sandy, which <laughs> would have been a mistake. But I surfed the uh, hurricane before that, which I think was like mm, Hurricane Day. Well, it couldn't be David because D comes way before S. Um, mm. But it, it was like one that was a few months before Sandy. Mm. And it was like you know, pr- uh, projected to be a mild hurricane. So obviously me and all of my friends got our boards out, went to the beach, to the shore, the Jersey and shore. hung 10. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was really fun because like a mild hurricane, like one that doesn't like actually come past the shore and like do anything. That's just like rain and some fun waves. Right. But Hurricane Sandy was also projected to be a mild hurricane. And so me and all of my little friends were like, ooh, like <laughs> maybe we'll we should, maybe we'll head on we out. We should do it again. And um the only reason that we didn't was because the um friend who was gonna drive us to the beach uh got really high watching Adventure Time. And mm. and then we were like, meh, let's just stay inside. And then Hurricane mm. Sandy happened, and then we couldn't watch any cartoons because we lost power as well right. as running water. But this is like um, not really germane to the water being poison mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. And so now I'm not drinking the tap water anymore. I bought, this is not sponsored, but I bought a life water uh, <laughs> uh, 10, 10 cup carafe. Mm-hmm. So like, put my new water in and like filter that. And I just came back from the West coast and I have long been saying that while the East coast is the superior coast, mm-hmm. the thing that it's missing is that when you ask people, if you can get a glass of infused water, room temperature, mm-hmm. no, no ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, what? Like they don't ask you infused with what you know. They're like, would you yeah. prefer like, cucumber? What? Would you prefer blackberry? They're just like, what do you what do you mean infused? Yeah. So infused I infused have... with with what exactly? Right. They don't even know if there are. They they just think there's one option. They just to infuse it at room, all. Room temperature. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, room temperature. Not cold. Like, <laughs> they go, you want ice in that? And I go, no, 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 no ice. And they're like, <laughs> you want you want water with no ice? And I'm like, yes. No, <laughs> no ice. And then they Room call a 5150 on you and you get yeah. <laughs> thrown in the nut house for wanting warm water. And that, that would never happen on the West Coast, I'll, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah, go no. to any restaurant in LA, you say, let me get a glass of room temperature water. 
And they're like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Um, follow your bliss. Yes. So I am, that's something I'm trying to bring Mm -hmm. to my brothers in the sister sis, sisterhood in the city of brotherly love. Maybe the sisterhood the sister- of brotherly love. <laughs> Maybe. Um, it's like the sisterhood of traveling pants, but like without the pants. Cause I took, I took the, the lemons that life gave me of the, the water being poison mm-hmm. and I turned it into <laughs> lemon infused water <laughs> <laughs> through my, my smart water, my smart water, uh, mm-hmm. 10 cup, Carafe and or life water is what it is. And um the issue is that I didn't buy two of them because I like didn't think that I would. And obviously, like I want to have only infused water now all the time. But as I mentioned earlier, I do have two dogs. Mm. So they have been drinking the the cucumber infused water. Well, <laughs> well, well. And Garbanzo. <laughs> just at, Garbanzo and Lyra just go like they're gonna become so petite bourgeois. They they love it. They're mm-hmm. having a great time. They're drinking more water than ever before. And um the, the Do you think they like different poison. flavors of infused water? I hope so, because I yeah. have you know, we d- we've you done lemon already, okay. we've done yeah. cucumber. We've done blackberry. Mm. Um, so far, they like it all. And what I do know is that when we first found out that the water was poison, like I didn't, we didn't have the filter thing yet, and so we had to get bottled water from the store. But of course, the stores were all out because everyone wanted to get bottled water from the stores. So we had to get Lacroix, and then the dogs could only drink Lacroix for like a week and a half. And they did not like that. So, um, anyway, go to uh, lifewater.com. Use discount code Big Soy Naturals. <laughs> See, See if what it works. happens. Yeah. yeah. See what yeah, happens. Maybe, it might work. You don't know. Um, so we're doing something fun today, which is that, like, you guys have asked us a bunch of questions through various DM channels. And our hotline number, which I like, I don't know what it is, but we'll put it in the description. Mm-hmm. And we're going to answer some of them. Um, I think I'm going to save one to answer for the main episode because it's okay. Um, it's just right up my alley. It's a question mm-hmm. for me. Um, okay. It's one okay. that I think I think <laughs> that it will be you will help with, but it okay. is about like how to sabotage a friend's relationship. And I feel like that's something that I do have a lot of experience both in doing and in thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a lot of questions. And so we're going to answer some of them. I'm going to see how long we feel like going until we're done helping you. Mm-hmm. Um, the first question is for you, Kendall, which okay. comes from my Tumblr. Someone okay, asked can I, me on can I Tumblr. Just, can I just do a PSA really quick to the <laughs> listeners? Uh, you guys, stop messaging Virgil when you want to talk to me. This has happened so many times at this point, <laughs> and I've had you. enough. You're scared. I've had, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm playing disappointed teacher at this point, and I'm oh, a little think- annoyed. They think that you're going to, like, um, ask to talk to the manager if they send what? you a question. <laughs> They're afraid that you're going to you're gonna go Karen on them. You're making, you're making Virgil 
be like a messenger and like they're wearing little like puffed pantaloons and galloping back and forth between our respective kingdoms to tell me what's going on yeah little messenger i think you'd look good in like the the sort of renaissance like puffed pantaloon shorts with tights i think those would look good on you like generally or like when i am generally serving as your help generally i think Mm. you would generally look good in those do you I'm saying often they're imagine treating me you. doing tasks for you? I'm saying they're they're imagining you doing tasks for me and they're making you do tasks for me. Yeah. And I would like them to stop. I'm telling you, I'm not going to bite your head off. I don't know what you think I'm going to do. Do a DDoS attack if you just message me once. They're afraid. They're scared. Just, what are you scared of? Just message me already. I know I'm, I know I'm probably not. About, like, they're always saying how approachable I am. People come up to me on the streets and they say all kinds of stuff that I wish they wouldn't. Um, I, and I, I, and I, I, you know, I just, I'm, I'm naturally approachable. I think I've always been less approachable because I think I give off the energy of like ankle biter. Um, <laughs> what? Just like, I feel like, I feel like I'm a little dog who bites ankles. Like, I feel like that's sometimes like the, the reason a lot of men back off and don't talk to me. Like I've had men go like, Hey, and then I, I whip around and I think something in my face just says like, don't just like, don't do it. And they just go, Oh, sorry. Never mind. But what like they were clearly, aren't, what about people that aren't men? Um, kind of all sorts older, of strangers come up to me. Older women love me, all of them, especially at the grocery store. They love to tell me, they love to teach me about how to tell if a fruit is ripe. Um, And they love Mm. to comment on my outfits. They're like, I wish I could have the confidence to wear a jacket that I would probably wear already. And I'm like, you should just do it. And they're like, oh, no one cares about what you look like. I know. I think think it's that they're. I think it's that like they're around like mid forties and they're probably just like about to, you know. Oh wait, are we calling mid forties old? Older. A, I said older. Re- oh, okay. Older women. Older women usually love to talk to me. Um You know what's like, fun about age is that I've noticed since like the people that I follow online are like you know, they're like generally the same group of people I've been following online for a while is that uh, like thirty, like calling someone else 30, like mm-hmm. and being like, you need to like start acting right. Like you're 30, you're 30 fucking years old. No one's saying that anymore. They're all like, you're 35. <laughs> you need to get your shit together. <laughs> because it's, you know, it's like slightly older than they are. So they're mm-hmm. like, you should be better because yeah. you're you're mature. <laughs> I, I am a 28-year-old minor and you are a 35-year-old yeah. adult. This is a weird conversation for you to be having with well, me. No, 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 not even like this is weird. Like, not like that, because I don't follow those kinds of people. But just like when, someone, when someone's like, you know, acting a bit out of pocket, they'll be like, come on, you're fucking 35. But I don't see people saying that anymore about like, hey, yeah. man, like you're 28. Like, get your shit together. They're like, they don't, oh, you know, they don't use that, that anymore. You know what that is? Inflation. That's age. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but let me read this question that they have for you. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I have a question for Kendall. How did you survive 
white suburbia as a white <laughs> suburban. I'm also a white suburban and I am trying to overcome my unfortunate circumstances and my even more unfortunate wasp parents. I am in high school, by the way. Okay, so shout out to our high school listeners. I love them. The, the I love you guys. I really do. Um, I I think you're all cool as shit. Um, first well, things first. Well, you know, that's not some of them. I'm gonna. I will say I like our <laughs> listeners. I don't. Yeah. I don't say it publicly because I don't want. I don't want I hope, them to know. I'm playing hard to get. Speaking of I publicly, do, I hope you I can hear like this it. high schooler because I don't know if you have a disposable income and can get pay for five, the pay get, five, get $5. <laughs> Easy. Okay. Get a fucking job. I had a job when I was 14. So get a job. Yeah. Although just, probably I wasps don't know, don't know yeah. about that. Well, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> here's the thing. I did move uh, to a city, uh, once I like was in middle school, so that kind of helped, but it is DC, so like it's still like a driving city, which was difficult. I think, like, from what you've told me about your DC upbringing, I think that that many elements of it were white suburbia coded. Oh, yeah, um, and Definitely. I think I think that's it's why applicable. I said, Well, it is DC, <laughs> so it's just like this is still applicable. Um, let me think, you know. I would say a big a big part of it is to develop a rebellious streak, but in like weird and niche ways um, that confuse people more so than like make them mad. Like, for example, um, I used to uh, my dad, I had like a I had like this weird, tiny little like porch thing. It was like an old house. So there was like this porch thing off of like my window that I could open and my dad decided that that'd be a good place to put a ladder in case there was a fire, not recognizing that he had a 15-year-old. Um, so I used to roll down that ladder and text my friend to come get me. And he and I would go around the neighborhood and steal uh, road signs. Um, and because I didn't want my parents catching me with the hump ahead road signs, um, I would take them over to his house and we would cut them up into like art. And then I would take it home as like part of like a canvas piece. And my parents would be like, oh, what's that? And I was like, oh, it's just this like used piece of art that my friend made for me. Um, and it was like a weird lie that I would tell in order to get the thrill of, of stealing something from my suburban neighborhood. The idea mainly is a very, Ooh, yeah, that is a a wasp activity. Yeah. And that's what I mean is that you, you want to, you shoplifting is exactly. That's why I'm saying niche crimes, niche rebellious activities. Um, Because if you want to like just shoplift, congratulations. You're like every other like 16 year old who then goes to nursing school later on, like bravo. But you know what's a crime that maybe I would love to see white teenagers get into? I mean, it really like any teens. Um, hmm. Wheat pasting. Ooh, yes. Yes. You, you have yes. to like make something. Yes. And then you have to like get up at like 2 a.m. because you have to, you know, it takes a little bit of time mm-hmm. to do the wheat pasting. So you can't just like 
um, spray something and run. Plus, I just I don't like seeing white kids do graffiti. They're never no. good at it. Um, but you could be good at Photoshop because that's yeah, a very suburban activity you know, and, to do. And then like you know, just do yeah. some wheat pasting um, in places that will piss the other the other the, wasps off. Yeah, piss off the suburbanites. It will absolutely piss off a suburbanite if you go to like the like the street pole. At like the end of the cul-de-sac and you've designed like some kind of like communism will win fucking poster or whatever teens are making and then you wheat paste it there and then the thing is about wheat paste kid is that they can't it's it takes a really a lot of work to get rid of wheat paste if you don't really know yeah um, so like it takes a lot of work to get rid of it and like the most that you could get charged with is like uh like defacement of property mm-hmm. and this is the other thing that they don't tell you about not being an adult is that you should this is the time to do crimes oh it is um, the time to do crimes absolutely <laughs> especially if you're, you're a not, white suburban child you're gonna yeah, get nothing that shit will get expunged from your record once you turn 18 most you'll have to do is a little bit of community service i have a lot of friends who like would got into like fights all the time when we were teenagers and as soon as they were 18 they were like yeah i'm not like i'm not gonna beat people up anymore uh, <laughs> because i'm legally an adult i just wanted mm-hmm. to get it out of my system while i could yeah, and get- i think that's what you should be doing like go to oh yeah. go to the gym go to the gym go so to- you can beat people up <laughs> yeah go to the gym and get, into get jack pasting. beat people up we're gonna put a wee pasting <laughs> tutorial in the links i think that'd be fun um do that um get into like a really niche subculture that's dead that's always fun is to be better than everybody else or feel like you're better than everybody else become seen i honestly want to see more teenagers do seen but in a way where they're like this is so y2k core because i do I think, think that's funny doing that currently. they are but i want to see more like authentic like get like a, a used domo kun a uh, fucking keychain and like i don't know like a furry tail and do some freak shit. You know? I'm gonna I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna push back on this because I think that um, the reason that like scene teenagers today are not really like they're not impressing me and like the t- you know your teenagers don't exist to impress me, but right. I would be impressed if they were seen in a way that was like they're trying to do their own thing rather than Mm. trying to like cosplay 2002 or 2005. And so I feel like trying to be like authentic, like Pete Wentz core is like, it's kind of played. And I feel like the, the impulse of being seen is one that I respect. And I would go as far as to say that I think children should be seen and not heard, but, um, (laughs) I I think that they that you should you should just like make up your own shit because the way that mm-hmm. like scene aesthetics in the mid two thousands came about was like people trying to do like eighties punk yeah. and then kind of missing the mark either because they didn't have the like same tools or they didn't have the money to like fully execute the look. Um, and also just like well then it got being, mixed up with like the 2000s party core the shutter right, shades like and the neon influenced by yeah. like the other like fashion moments happening at the time and like having to work with like what was existing in stores so i you know like be 
be seen in your own way. And yeah, I'd say cut up your clothes. It'll piss your mom off. It'll make your mom so mad if you I cut up your clothes. The reason that you're cool, though, despite being really like on paper, <laughs> many, many things that don't lead to cool people. Uh, I I won't list them all, but, you know, one of them, blue eyes. <laughs> uh, another one, Sarah Lawrence graduate. Um <laughs> You know, we know a lot of we know a lot of those. Not not all of them are cool. Some of them are cool. Some of them are, but a lot a lot of them, of them. Right. Yeah. So I, but I think what actually makes you cool is like that you are a person who, and don't, don't <laughs> you know, like don't just just listen to it. Don't say anything about it. Don't say thank you to me. But I think that you like. Um, live with a lot of integrity and you have like actual like values and beliefs that you take really seriously and you try to live them out. Um, and I think that like when you're a white teenager, a white, a white suburban wasp, etc., like there is, um, an extent to which you'll embrace like radical politics or like, being gay or whatever but only but only like it's a to trend the extent, for the white suburbanite children no, no, but <laughs> I'm, like, kidding, you'll I'm see, kidding you'll I know see what, you what mean. i mean like <laughs> only to the extent that it like doesn't piss like your family off or mm-hmm. to the extent that it like doesn't get you like excommunicated from white suburbia so like maybe they're cool with you being gay but not like gay in a way where you're doing like meaningful things for other gay people or maybe they're like cool with you having a little bit of politics but you know like the kind where you vote once every four years and not the kind, the where, kind you where you vote everyone like, show up and do things and i think the kind that, where like, you also don't make faces at the dinner table when they say that they think mike bloomberg is a great candidate not speaking from experience here I, at all i can't <laughs> i can't deal with this but i think what what actually like makes you a cool person to know and not even like cool for um you know like a yakubian type but but just like actually cool is that you uh like live out the values that you have in like a real way even when um like it comes at the expense of access to things that you might otherwise have you know what i'm going to say i'm not going to say thank you i'm going yeah, to fuck say off. i'm going to say i think you're right i think you're right true and (laughs) i and you know what i do think that that's the part that's important is that um once you get out of white suburbia and stop being a teenager um is to still live with consistent values even as they change and develop i think the what matters is not like the minutia and whether or not like you're using all of the right vocabulary that will like get you an A in some kind of like Marxist theory class, but um, that you taken the Marxist theory class. I don't fucking know, but I don't know if they exist in like American colleges. <laughs> That's true. Um, well, anyway, a, a theory class or a philosophy class or what have you. What matters is not like the minutia, but the 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 core ideal stays the same. Um, and that ideal should be pretty simple. And it should be that you 
once again, like treat people with integrity um, and take people at face value. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess like just. And wear brown contacts. That is. <laughs> and that's, that's. We don't know that. if this white teen has brown eyes, but if but you don't. If you don't, brown contacts. Consider. Okay. Next question is from when we were doing our Valentine's Day thing with Joan and this person called in like at midnight uh, on Valentine's Day. Um, so that was that was after we recorded and mm-hmm. hopefully Sorry. they've gotten advice already <laughs> from someone else. But I'm going to use it for content. Um, okay. Um, hey, Virgil. Kenny, Joni, um, I was just calling in because I wanted to talk to you about where I'm, I guess, at in a life. Um, I'm a young, early 20s gay man, and I've been having a lot of casual sex and enjoying it. Um, trying to keep it down because my roommates, but, um, yeah, making a lot of friends, um, experiencing, experiencing intimacy in that way. Um, not really looking for anything else, but I'm just wondering if you all have any tips for enjoying it more, maximizing, making the most of it. Um, let me know. Thanks so much. Hope to hear from you soon if it's not too late. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Casual sexinator. First of all. something that you will be able to answer, my friend. Here's here's what I can say. Advice from past lives. Here's what I can say is that I do love that you are saying that you want to maximize your outputs. I I know. I get it. Sometimes when you're like being a slut and a whore, you want to maximize what you're getting out of it because it's like you it's probably the grind set. Well, you're Literally. probably not going to do this forever. Like mm-hmm. either you're going to end up in a relationship or you're going to get like tired of being a hoe like and you're going to want to calm down for a little bit. Like there's only so long that you can do it. For some people that's like a couple years, for some people that's a couple months, but like it you know, that sort of behavior has a shelf life because mm. There's other things that you have to do. So I get it. You want to maximize being a hoe. So um, do you have any hoe maximizing tips or is this, is this one for me? (laughs) I think it might be for you. I don't, I don't really Uh know, man. (laughs) Kendall's advice, get married. um, and, (laughs) and, And have a nice time in your marriage. Um, and that's that is one way that you can maximize being a, a hoe for sure. That is mm-hmm. a maximum outcome that you could have. Um, other outcomes, I think, would be like hopefully these friends are inviting you to parties. I feel like you should yeah. be going to parties like all the time. Um, the other is like see if you can see if you can get the ball in a room, not in like a like a poly way. But maybe in like a get them to fight each other way, I feel like that could be fun for you. But yeah, because- also like, I feel like when you're making friends through like casual dating, casual sex, like something that I think about is like 
do I want this person to be in my life forever when someone like sends me a DM and then I'm like, ah, no. And I don't mean that in like, are we going to get married? Yeah. But more like there are people who I hooked up with like five years ago that, you know, every couple months, like I send them a meme mm-hmm. and like, that's, and those, it just keeps the connection the, there. Those are the connections that you're building right now. The red it's strings, like, if you will. <laughs> yeah, it's like like you you just have I have people, not necessarily through hoeing, but also, you know, some some of them that I can stay with in like any part of the country now because mm-hmm. we're like friendly and mm-hmm. we're not like still hooking up. It's probably not on the table if I go visit, but it's just like we made we like developed a good friendship during mm-hmm. that time and now i can i have maximized <laughs> i have maximized my my slut eras by having people to stay with when i travel and so i feel like practicing discernment when you're being a hoe with just like not you know is this person relationship material like do i want to be with this person long term mm-hmm. but but like will i want to send this person a funny photo in like seven years and or like do I never want to see them again after we fuck and I feel like finding more people Mm -hmm. in the first category and like trying to also like find even more people in that first category like as you're as you're hoeing around you're gonna see the dividends of that pay pay off for years and years and years what I what I'm hearing is that during your hoe phase, you should kind of play it like Risk or Civilization Five, where just what like you this? just it's the, well, the first is a board game, and the second you're is a being video autistic game. in my dating but advice. I'm, say, I'm saying like you're 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 dividing and conquering to the point where you can make trade routes. It's like you, uh-huh. you have made you've made literal trade routes with your hoe phase, and I think that that is effective advice to be giving. Um, Earlier I would say, this week, this girl who like designed her own tarot card deck that I had sex with once, like in 2017, mm-hmm. like sent it to me for free because she was like, I just want you to see there it. There we go. Because we're, we're friendly. Like, yeah. I like her photos on her story sometimes, like when I see mm-hmm. them. And, and then she's like, hey, Hope, hope you're doing well. And I'm like, yeah, I am doing well. How's that thing that you're working on? And then that's kind of it, you know? Yeah. But it's like, if I'm ever in New Orleans, I have a friend that I can hang out with. Um, I got a free free tarot card deck. You know why I think that that's good advice? I think you're you're allowing for the experiences in your life, um, regardless of whether they were during a phase or not, to at least in some way emotionally affect you to the point where you can like create connection with other people and intimacy. And I think that that's an important thing to remember in your hoe phase is that while you might be having casual sex in that moment, you are creating intimacy and to show a level of discernment, like you said, with the kind of people that you share that intimacy with, I think is important. Um, Just in the sense that like who wants to get their feelings hurt while you're having casual sex you know, um, the other thing I would say is do a little more of what Virgil does and don't just use the apps because I feel like that's sad. 
I don't know to be like well, I'm in my hoe phase and you're just so like messaging people on Bumble. I'm okay. Maybe it's not so easy because I like know that sometimes it's hard, but like going to parties and like meeting people that way um, usually works. But yeah. I I think yeah, you want to be thinking about ten years from now. You're trying to fly to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you're going there. Maybe maybe you got a fancy job and they're sending you on a business trip to Chicago. And now you've got five days to spend in Chicago. And you you didn't you're not from there. You like didn't live anywhere near there. But now you know like six people that live in Chicago because that's just like one of the places that people move to and you hooked up with like 60 people this year. You know, mm-hmm. statistically, some of them are just going to move to move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now when you're in Chicago 10 years from now, you can grab a drink like with someone, hang out for 30 minutes, maybe an hour, head back to your hotel, get a massage in the morning. That's what life think, is all about. I, I think you do a thing that I think is really smart. Um, and just like, like emotionally also, which is to like, you count the little moments that you interact with someone as like important in some way, not just for your own travel, well, mostly for your own travel (laughs) benefits, but you know, I think that, I think that what Virgil is saying is that, you know, your whole face should underline your bohemian lifestyle. Well, it's not just about (laughs) traveling, but also like, um, this uh, this like guy that I like saw for a couple weeks when I was on the vacation a long time ago. He's a florist now, um, and he he and his uh, boyfriend are both florists. They've they've opened up a little florist company. Oh, cute! And then and and you know maybe I'm gonna need a florist one day. Yeah. And like I talk to him every so often, and um, I like bought a. Is it called an arrangement? I bought an arrangement once yeah. from him for a friend of mine. Um, he gave me a little friends and family discount. Yeah, I mean, for like, and listen, those are the dividends that I got from in a couple dick years in twenty thirteen. Yeah. In, <laughs> in a couple years for your thirtieth birthday, it would be nice to have like a really big elaborate arrangement for mm-hmm. the big three zero. And yeah, and then that should be I'll kept in say, mind. Thank you. To 2013 Virgil for, for sucking the dick of for a sucking and fucking. There yeah. we go. Yeah. So, so uh, we have now taken 40 minutes to answer two questions. <laughs> I'm going to move on to the next question. Let's see if this one is any good. Hmm. This one's also for my Tumblr, which is Commodify Me. Um, and it's how do you feel about terms like socialized as male slash socialized as female? When talking about the different experience that different experiences that trans people had growing up, rather than cis people, is it transphobic? And if you think it is, what would you say instead? I um like categorically do not like those terms. I think that they're yeah, like kind of. Dumb. I think they're stinky. <laughs> um, I, think, I, like, I think if you use them, you smell. <laughs> Oh well, they're, they're asking. They're asking to learn. So let's. We could. We could be nice. I suppose. I'm gonna be nice. I'm sorry. I just think it's funny to say something is stinky. Um, but yeah, I don't. I 
do also categorically uh, not like those terms, um, especially because I feel like the like you'd really have to define what's socialized as male or socialized as female would mean for everyone. Um, and that can be different based on culture and class and literally a thousand other things. And also there are certain aspects where just like, do you mean socialized by your, by your family? Do you mean socialized by your environment? Do you, did you grow up in a church? Did you grow up in a temple? Like there's a lot of things that I feel like socialized as male or female does not apply so badly want to do like biological determinism but they know that it's like not cool to do it so they come up with like other ways to do it because they haven't actually thought through why they're being asked to use the terminology that they are using but I feel like terms like socialized as whatever gender um are like exactly why like aspects of feminism will get like co-opted by like turfs and fascists mm-hmm. and stuff because it is like just not a really critical there um look at the idea of like male socialization for example because yeah that is a a thing but like what kind of man are we talking about like from what background and i would say that like there are many women um like cis or trans who are um socialized in a certain way that leads them to like uphold patriarchal values mm-hmm. um like republican women you know like mm-hmm. that are like very much enforcing patriarchy because of the way that they are socialized in a way that maybe is like very different from what a man might be doing and i think that like what people are trying to get at is that they're like perspectives or behaviors are shaped by their experiences, which is mm-hmm. true, true, you know, and like your upbringing will have something to do with that. But, um, and I think that that's like fine if someone wants to talk about themselves like personally and be like, because I was raised in this particular way, like that this is, this is a belief that I had. This is something that I had to work through. This is like an insecurity that I have yeah. or like a problem that I have when interacting with other people. But I think to, like, generalize it as, like, a male socialization, female socialization thing, it is is just doing, like, biological determinism again. Um, But I get get what people are trying to say. But what what they can just say is just, like, it is an upbringing thing and it's going to be different from person to person and not in a, like clear-cut like umbrella enough sort of way that we can just like put it into the terms of like male and female yeah like you said i can get what i get what people are trying to get at here a way to kind of explain your upbringing but unfortunately it's just one of those things that i don't think can have a shorthand term that fits in 240 characters um you're like going to have to explain it in something a little more broad and yet also more specific to you um, by broad, I more mean like it's more about like the family you were raised in, the community you were raised in, the socialization you got from your friends. Um, like, for example, right? Like, I understand what you're getting, what people are getting at with male and female socialization because they can, I guess, be real things if 
for example, like I'm a girl, right? Being mm. like, like, let's say I have like a, like, <laughs> let, let's say like I'm being raised um, by two people who have certain expectations for their daughters and different expectations for their sons. That's like kind of, I think what you're trying to get at here with socialized as male or female. And then like, but I think you can just talk about what your experience was as a child or as a teenager or as an adult. What it reminds me of is like, you know, when people say like class consciousness Mm. and, and they're talking about how like working class people should have like a certain like outlook or perspective on their own labor and have solidarity with other workers because like they are the ones who are like impacted um by uh like the forces of capitalism like and they don't benefit from it and yet like many working class people do not behave in that way and it sort of like assumes I guess that there's like a default or not a default, but that there is like a way that is like, that makes more sense to be a a working class person and that some people are outside of it. When the truth is, is that like, if you are raised in a, like in a capitalist state, you are going to internalize capitalist values regardless Mm -hmm. of like what your class background is. And it takes like intentional learning to not be that way and so the idea that like because often it's honestly I really only ever see socialized male I feel like Mm -hmm. I don't see socialized female and what people are trying to say is like that someone who is like a trans woman is being misogynist and the reason Mm -hmm. for that is because she was socialized male and it's like women are not women are not like inherently feminist like Mm -hmm. it's a learned um like it's a a learned analytical like method that not everyone has um is something that that they should have just like it like would behoove like working class people to Mm -hmm. have like class solidarity um and to understand like their position as workers but many of them don't it would also benefit like many women cis or trans to like understand their position as like subjugated people under patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Many of them do not. Um, (laughs) And that is because it is, it is something that like has to be intentionally learned because the society that we live in is not one that like imparts those values just through living, which is, is sort of the whole kind of you know point of of living uh within a patriarchal society i get i think i get what you're saying in the sense that like um these terms are being used as if to kind of give almost like a dialectical materialism reason as to why like okay your environment affects you and then you infect you affect your environment right and then that's what they're leaning towards but like but they're, then, I, like, like the, that's very but the way that they're using, but I'm saying, I'm saying the like that's what the terms are attempting to do. But then you dig deeper into the thought behind them, and people are believing that, like, inherently somewhere in every woman's soul is a tiny little feminist who is just begging to get out, or in every like working class or, or person's soul, like, there's a little coal miner. Who's like maybe in in every woman's soul there is there is a tiny little woman who like 
wants what's best for herself mm-hmm. as a woman and for other women. And that is just like, not true. Sorry. Many, <laughs> many women of various backgrounds, like not only um, submit to, but like actively participate in the uh, maintenance of their own yeah. oppression. And many of them do that willingly. And some of them, happen to be cis and some of them happen to be trans and it's not really like a what were they socialized as and more like they were all socialized as women under patriarchy (laughs) i mean is that i feel like these terms have this ruse of like okay we're we're talking about like your upbringing your environment and like maybe the reason you're this way is because of x y and z but in the end all you're trying to point back to is is there's something inherent in your soul that has made you good or has made you bad And (laughs) I think that that's just like faulty. Um, And frankly, again, it's just one of those things where unfortunately you can't just put an umbrella term on everyone (laughs) in order to explain why they are the way that they are. Um, Sometimes you have to explain it for a little longer um, than you want to. Sorry. I just, I don't really have like another version of these terms that you could use that would be better outside of just not using those and instead uh, relying on the idea that some people um, have just like, like they need to be intentionally learning these, these things rather than just having them inherent to them. Okay. Next question. Do you want like another um, sort of like, not serious well I guess like kind of serious topic but like like they're asking they're asking us how to think or do you want this one that was sent to our hotline that is this (laughs) this long uh (laughs) some of you guys have problems I'm just gonna (laughs) say it I I mean I I genuinely appreciate people sending us questions and I enjoy reading them concerned I'm but making I a very concerned you. face. I'm very I, worried. I <laughs> worry about you guys. Like, I, I just don't know. Like, are you okay? Like, we we well, set up a not. hotline and we were like, we'll give you advice. We'll tell you what to do. But some of you need someone who's not a podcaster to no, be telling you what to do. I think, I think I'm better than a therapist because okay. – when I give advice Go to on. people, their lives improve. And it seems like a lot of people that do therapy, like, I don't know what the therapy's supposed to be doing for them because they're still mm-hmm. exhibiting, like, symptoms of mental illness whenever you're, whenever you see them. Okay, but but- which, which question do you want? Do you want this, oh. like, long, long one? Or do you want, like, uh, our opinions on a topic? I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place right now because uh-huh. I kind of I I kind of feel like this person needs needs our help, but I also okay. I also don't know if I'm going to be equipped for it. I guess we'll do that and we'll just see. All right. Hi, big soy naturals. There's someone I used to date many years back. We had split up amicably. No particular personal problems behind it more logistical than anything, Mm. and talked occasionally afterwards, but things were mostly done between us. Over the last couple years, though, we had little reason to hang out a little more often again. 
After we got to spend more time together and talk about old times, a completely new round of sexual tension between us, between mm-hmm. us two severely shy people slowly mm. developed. <laughs> Kendall, be nice. <laughs> so be nice. So okay. There's no like this like ag- aggressive sighing. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> It's not aggressive. Someone is being being vulnerable. I can see that this is not going anywhere good. I'm I'm invested. You don't know that. You don't know that. I haven't even read it. Maybe it goes somewhere great. Maybe they're just telling (laughs) us about a great thing that happened to them. Okay. Um, So a completely new round of sexual attention between us severely shy people slowly developed, which included a couple of truly embarrassing incidents in which we were essentially on top of the other with neither of us acknowledging it. The moment slipping, the moment slipping past, the moment slipping past and us going our separate ways with nothing happening. It did manage to finally bubble over and turn into something in one encounter as well. But we never really talked about it again, especially since we were both too busy to see each other for around nine months after. In the course of all of this, I had grown a brand new set of feelings for them, although after a year or so, I'd mostly moved on and been ready to leave it in the past. We started hanging out every month or two again lately, and it seemed like there wasn't much going on between us anymore, but then we had another minor tension moment again real recently, so after that, I decided I would end our awkward two-year cycle and finally turn to them, finally talk to them about it. It turned out they didn't have feelings right now the way I did, but we're fine keeping things the way they were as good friends and sometimes getting cozy. Not necessarily what I'd hope for, but what? things say exactly the same, but now the seal's been broken and we can talk about it should be an improvement or at least a lateral move. Unfortunately, one of my most problematic autism symptoms is oh, rejection. Not again. <laughs> not another autistic Kendall. problem. I just Kendall, I this is so rude. I just, it's not it's not the rude thing. It's that we've had like several questions where people are like there's an yeah, and you, person I, on your podcast. Can you tell me what to do? Yeah, I was going to say the reason that we get them is because of you. It's so much responsibility. And, it makes me sweaty. And you are living, well, you know, that's the autism coming out again. And you're living a wonderful life with the, with the wife that you love who loves you back, with friends that love you. You know, you're doing great and people, and you have great hair. I and do. despite your eyes being the wrong color, you are still, you know, like good. You're a good-looking person for. You know, <laughs> okay, you can just say you're. You, you look good for a white person. You don't have you, to like yeah. keep going. You can just say you look good for a white person. There you, you go. It's done. You do. <laughs> and and you have won several dressage horse championships. Like people. That's look true. Up I just won another one last and, week. But, <laughs> but not only do people look up to you, they see themselves in you. Because you know, while you are all of these incredible things, you're also sweaty right now, <laughs> and you wear lots of bright colors, mm-hmm. and you know about board games, and so people <laughs> are like, this is something that I can, like, you're aspirational. Okay. And, and then pre- they come to us with their questions, and you go, oh my god, not another <laughs> autistic problem. <laughs> it's, just, it's so much responsibility. I promise you, I don't hate you. I just, I just, 
much to ask of me <laughs> to be <laughs> to give you advice. A moment. <laughs> it's, it's I'm so sorry much. that you are like the Lorax for the I speak for the trees. But it's you know, it's an it's an honor. You know, and you're right. I'm you sorry. You know, I, I just want to say before we continue with this question, congrats on living in a fucking yaoi manga with all these like We're not done yet. Moments. We're not done yet. Okay. <laughs> but I want listeners to know I was in Kendall's house recently. I'm not going to tell you where it is um, or what it looks like. <laughs> I hope but not. <laughs> several rows of VHSs <laughs> and not like, you know, like popular movies no. from the like not blockbusters no like weird like. shit like <laughs> workout videos from some lady that you don't know about doing breath exercises so just they're weird Kendall's <laughs> trying to try to distance themselves from all of you because you guys are unfortunate <laughs> but but they're it's you know that- it's that you're sad. Kendall's one of you. Kendall's one of you. As an empath, it makes me really sad to see you sad. Well, as a them path, I'm indifferent. I'm indifferent to their sadness. Okay. So they're saying that talking about stuff at least is is an improvement or a lateral move, but they've right. got rejection sensitivity. One of their most problematic autism symptoms. So of course, not meeting the exact answer I'd hoped for has just had me feeling um, ill all week and plagued by the whispers that they must now see me as a weird freak. So I suppose I need advice on two things. Number one, what can I do to feel better about this? I've already accepted the facts in front of me just fine. In fact, I was more than prepared for this circumstance, and it doesn't feel like there's some easy form of coming to terms with it that'll finish it off. And two, any advice for continuing to act normal around them? I'm worried that my concern that I've already made a fool of myself could just push me into actual nervous and difficult behavior. I know this is super long. I'm sure you could shrink it easy if you wanted a short version, but then I would, you know, then I would be messing with your words, dear listener, and I Mm -hmm. I would never editorialize your words. Um, Before we have... um, responses to this i am so curious if you could like get back to us about like what where you're at no 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 like what kind of incident ends up with someone on top of you but like it not in not in a way where you're acknowledging it like okay like are you playing twister i like i'm just i'm i'm not judging i'm thinking i'm I'm thinking i am just asking questions like like some romance manga mishaps here where it's just like whoa and you just like catch yourself on a fucking wall and you're like in between each other oil wrestling (laughs) have you ever seen have you ever seen that i have i have do you like to well you don't do you do you like to ogle men I mean, yeah. On occasion? Yeah. Okay. And I do I do like that kind of like you know. I was able to get my my college to to bring in some Turkish oil wrestlers <laughs> and then they, they just did it on uh the, They just did it for you? Well, okay, um the outside area of my school was called the Red Square. Um <laughs> and that 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 was where the Turkish oil wrestling was happening. And it was mm-hmm. and it was a bunch of bunch of cute boys uh rolling around oh. in the So I don't know, maybe that's what was going on. Yeah. 
But that feels like a time if someone's on top of you that you would I'm expect also, it. I'm just very curious. Like I'm also curious what this other person means by like they're totally they they don't want anything right now but they're okay with get- what does getting cozy mean well i think that it's I, like I guess it's my main they question. had they had some kind of intimate moment of some okay. some variety um but the other person like didn't see that as like building towards okay. a All relationship right. or a crush or something but it's mm-hmm. just like part of their friendship and the person is like i'm cool with doing more of that which this is this is where my answer comes from that's actually all i needed to know that person mm-hmm. sucks because yeah. if my friend who I hooked up with, who I hooked up with in a way where I was like, we're like friends with benefits. Like it's, you know, mm-hmm. like not, it's not like a thing. And then they go like, I really like you and I want to keep doing this, but in a way where it like means something to both of us. And I'm like, nah, but like I would still hit. Yeah. That's <laughs> That's not you're, a friend. You're doing, you're doing like the demi romantic version of this with getting cozy. I just, I don't, I don't quite understand. Do you mean like you'd be fine with just like spooning platonic? I'm just, no, it's, it's just like that's that's just not a friend. It's, okay, because it's yeah. like um, no matter what it is that you were doing that you like considered intimate, because you know you didn't tell us what it was, and that's fine. Yeah, you know. You're allowed to be private um, when you send a message to two podcasters asking for <laughs> romantic advice. You can keep stuff to yourself. But whether it was like cuddling or hooking up or like sucking and fucking for 24 hours straight, like if that meant something to you in a way that it didn't mean to them. And when you clarified to them that you were like, I thought that this was part of us like being in crush with each other or I have a crush on you. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they're like, "Mm, don't feel that way. And that's fine. Like that happens. And then they're like, but then say, let's continue doing the thing. (laughs) Let's continue doing the thing that made you feel intimate feelings for me. Yeah. Even if you wanted to keep doing that, like they, as the person who is like rejecting you, um, at least like would have, would have the responsibility to be like, no, I'm I'm not going to keep like hooking up with or glomping you because <laughs> I know that it means something to you. And so I um like I would probably never speak to this person again because I would feel disrespected. I also know that I have I've got like harsher reactions to stuff mm. than some yeah. people do. So maybe, maybe not never speaking to them again. Um, but I would like, I'd take a couple months off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely take a big old break from this because I think it's weird that they heard you expressing these feelings and then were like, let's continue to be intimate though, in any way. Um, and not being like, are you okay? Do you need space? Like if they're if they if they also care about your feelings as a friend, if they're like, I want to stay friends, I want to be platonically like in like I want to have a platonic relationship with you, that should mean something, also, but yeah, in like a different in, in like, like a different you know lateral I, move, as you say. I'm not someone that gets romantically or sexually rejected very often. Mm. Um, 
But I think that like when I have, when I have been. <laughs> it's oh, so like, vulnerable you know, behind a paywall. <laughs> I know. When I have been, it, you know, yeah. it like hurts my feelings, even yeah. when it's like from someone that I otherwise like trust and like think like is cool. And I think that like spending, continuing to spend time, even like putting whatever glomping that you're doing aside, um, just like even spending time platonically right after like makes it hard to get over those feelings of like being hurt from rejection because you're like seeing the person that rejected you um and you're yeah. giving yourself more reasons to you know feel like positively about them so just like taking a couple months off um it's so that you could like but yeah cuz then you're not like spending time with this person that's making you wonder like oh i wonder what it what it is that was wrong with me that that made them reject me or whatever terrible and I really, thoughts that you're thinking. Yeah, I really um, don't think that it would be constructive for you to continue to uh, be around the object of your affection if, like, they just told you, like, I'm not interested because all you're going to do is be thinking about those questions. Um, yeah. If you have rejection you take- sens- sensitivity, you know, that's... That? It's basically just like you will literally like start having a meltdown. Um, like you are you are melting down a lot more from like very simple rejections, not just like romantic rejections or things like that, but like a slight career rejection could send you on like a fucking like cause problems on purpose warpath. Like um, different from anxiety or from like exhibiting symptoms of like a, a in- mood disorder. I mean, look, I, I don't want to get into, (laughs) I don't want to get into my opinions on rejection sensitivity, because if you feel like you have it, um, I want to acknowledge that. I just want to know what it is. I don't know what it is. Here's the thing. I don't feel like for me, it's, it's ever rejection sensitivity so much as like, I'm pretty fucking bummed out and as somebody who is autistic, who gets pretty fucking bummed out by like either a, a job thing going wrong or whatever. Um, my emotions are already like kind of iffy. Like they're already can be in like highs and lows because of the autism, um, because of the tism, you know, like, and I feel like I have a little less control over those emotions already. And I feel like rejection sensitivity is just the, like, explanation for why rejection feels harder but like everything feels harder i don't know i don't think that like it necessarily applies to me personally but if you feel like you have rejection sensitivity dysphoria or whatever (laughs) i i heard like just i don't i forget what like there's another word on top of rejection sensitivity that's with it or something i i don't know but Generally, if you feel like you have that problem, like, I understand and I feel for you. For me personally, it feels like it's just another part of, like, the emotional sandwich that I'm dealing with here that's a little, like, off-kilter. Um, but generally, I would say, like, try to stay away from the triggers in this moment, which is that person. Um, you're asking yourself a lot of terrible little questions about what's wrong with you. And I think the, it's a, it's a mindset that 
is not helpful for you. If and if anything, it's un, it's also if you don't care about yourself at all, it's also unfair to that person um, to be asking like, "What's wrong with me? What's wrong with like all the things that I am?" Um, because honestly, at the end of the day, like, um, probably nothing is really wrong with you. Like, I know that as somebody who is autistic, you've probably gotten a lot of like rejection in your life. Like, because like, I understand what you mean in the sense that like, I feel like autistic people have all experienced this phenomena where like you're talking to somebody and you can be doing everything socially correctly, um, but they can still kind of sniff out that like you are not normal <laughs> and they act worse to you because of it. Um, there's just something about you. It's like the way that you make eye contact or just like your speaking mannerisms that just like ick people out for some reason. And they act really fucking cunty to you, you know? And I, <laughs> I understand well, I like think- why maybe sometimes in your life you have felt like I am the problem. It is me, you know? And to a certain extent, like we can all work on ourselves, you know? There are things that we can all work on, but I think one of the things you should probably work on is is not feeling like if somebody rejects rejects you like that. You should work on increasing the amount of slayage that you have. Yeah. And wear some outfits. And then when people reject you, then you'll know that it was definitely their problem because you have such a good outfit on. So like, what so other, why would it, what reason why would it be could anything? they have? Yeah. Or rejecting you other than, like, their own delusions. Kendall, we've got another question for you. No. <laughs> as. I think I'm, I'm as, familiar. As the Lorax. Mm-hmm. Of, as the Lorax of autism. Um, this one was also from my Tumblr. Um, Again, talk to me. <laughs> no, they're not. They're, they have problems. You have problems, but they're you're nervous. asking Virgil to ask me. Just ask me. They're nervous. It's I'm listeners. I'm... I accept you. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Prayer warriors, you are so nervous. You are shivering like a little chihuahua on your phone, like going to my Tumblr ask, ask box, and you're like, "Oh, I would love to ask Kendall this, but I'm afraid." And, so, and and they shake and they shiver. And I they just don't know what's wrong with me it. that makes you feel like I'm going to, like, kill you if you message me. I promise it's not that bad. Well, they know that you have, you know, got the secret service on, <laughs> on speed dial. <laughs> Maybe. So this one goes, a question for Kendall. <laughs> How do you stay open to making new friends and being... S- I'm not laughing. This you is laughed. a serious issue. You laughed! No, I feel for this person. How do you okay. stay open to making new friends and being social when you're autistic? I have a lot of issues with making friends and with getting rejected by people because they think I'm weird or off-putting. And it seems like you have a lot of friends. How did you make this happen? Well, again, like I was saying before, I understand what you're feeling um, because their mistake like, is that your friend that they think your friends don't think that you're weird. 
My friends do think like, that I'm weird, but the idea, the, the main thing is that they're also fucking weird, is the thing. Is that I'm, like, I'm all right. I'm, I'm like, quirked I'm, up. no, I'm, I'm extremely cool. And some people confuse that for being quirked up, but I just have swag. <laughs> but sometimes I feel like that swag comes off as you having like, like I've, I've had people tell me that they, that they find you intimidating and I think that's partially because you yourself, you know, are, you know, neurodivergent in some ways. Yeah. I, th- I think it's just like yeah. you have... Virgil, I'm trying to... I'm, I got, like, diagnosed evil. Um. <laughs> no. You got, you got diagnosed as causing problems on purpose, and that's different from evil. Yeah. That's different from evil. That's just, like, scoundrel. Um, which I think is kind of cool. Um, you know, like, okay. So like, again, like I said before, like, I understand what you're feeling in the sense that like, I've had like the, the secret to me is honestly at this point in my life, I don't know how old you are. Um, and I don't know if that really matters, but for me, I've gotten to a point where like, I have the option for if people, reject me just based off of vibes alone that's okay um there are plenty of people who just do not get along with me including by the way other autistic people i can say this and i'm brave um there are i think the thing is with like autistic people is that that there you can either be like drift compatible and you can be like exactly on the same wavelength or you can like have such like the opposite, the polar opposite, like magnetic vibes that like you want absolutely nothing to do with each other. Um, like, like seeing each other make, makes you feel like you're going to vomit both of you. And there's a mutually assured destruction there. My thing is that I feel like I've gotten to a point where I unfortunately have had, have met enough people that are also neurodivergent in the same, in similar ways to me. Um, Like, I don't worry about being found out, you know? Like, that's the main thing. I feel like a lot of people that I meet who are... I think it does have something to do with age a little bit. Because, okay, how many Katy Perry songs that came out any time before, like, 2013 could you name? Uh, Probably a lot. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. And then Um, how many could you name that came out after 2013? Not, not, not as many. Can and tell you what that. year did you graduate high school? 2013. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the point of this exercise is that like when you're in like really mixed social groups, you have to be like aware of the like preferences and like biases and like behaviors of people that you probably also like wouldn't actually want anything to do with Mm -hmm. if you could like curate your own social group and I think that the like people are always saying that making friends as an adult is hard and I think that um I I like empathize with that. It hasn't been my experience, but I get what people mean because it's like if you're busy with job and schedules and stuff, like it's hard to meet new people. Um, But I think the the difficult part of it is like the logistics of it, but like making new friends who have similar interests to you and who are like 
going to like you for the person that you are just like gets easier as you get older like I made um I actually I had a ton of friends in high school but I went to a high school for artists so Mm -hmm. like not (laughs) not applicable um but I made even more friends like when I went to college I made even more friends like when I left college and like entered the world um because the places that I was meeting people in and the kinds of people that I was interested in talking to were all about like what was interesting to me. And I wasn't just like having to deal with like a thousand, a thousand randos Mm -hmm. because like maybe in a room of a thousand randos, like none of them are actually like people that you should be friends with. Um, Sometimes like the, you know, that's just like how it is. And like, even now you, it's like, it's just the wrong thousand people. There are certain times where, like, I'm in, like, a room with, like, another adult, um, like, 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 in an environment, like, where, like, I'm not choosing friend groups. Let's say, like, I'm, like, the, like, the other week, I was at the fucking optometrist office, and I think, like, what you're picking up on as an autistic person is that somebody, like, has, like, found you out, you know? They might not be able to name exactly what it is about you that they find off-putting, but they just do because they are not on the same wavelength as you. Like I went to the optometrist's office and she was just like making weird jokes at me where she was being kind of mean. And I don't think she meant it that way. I don't think that's something that she was intentionally trying to do, but I think she just kind of got annoyed by like the way that I was acting and didn't know how to interact with me in a way that like, um, like like that well, made sense that's to a her. Great, great you know? example of a social situation that neither of you can remove yourselves from. Exactly. And so now, like, <laughs> so there's now, some person where like you are not you're not vibing, yeah. and you've just got to keep dealing with it. And, and the I thing think is, is that like, like as an adult, you I'm not worried. Those. I'm not. I'm. You have less of those, and also I'm not worried about being found out by her. You know, if she has decided like, oh, this person's like fucking weird. Okay. Like, I'm going to, like, in, like, 30 minutes, I'm about to leave, and you're going to give me my prescription, and I'm going to go, you know? And I'm going to go home, I'm going to hang out with the people that I want to hang out with, um, either on Discord or in person, and, like, those people will understand what I'm going for. I don't worry too much anymore about, like, people finding out that I'm weird. And I think part of your question seems to be phrased around, like, I'm so worried that people are going to not like me because of like who I am as a person. And I just feel like your phrasing is centered around other people's experiences with you. And you're so worried about like other people experiencing you in a way that like makes them comfortable. And I'm not saying that you can't work on yourself or there aren't moments where like you could work on your own social skills, but like there are times where I go out in person And I think that like the best way for me to get through being around people who like don't get me is to just ask a lot of questions. You know, I'm like, I I don't really do the masking thing anymore. I don't really like, um, like I have my own coping mechanisms to get me through like a certain type of interaction or a certain type of day that's going to make me uncomfortable. I have like a fidget 
and I have places I can go and I have breathing exercises and I have little things that will help me not have a meltdown right here. And if I want to go, I can just go because I'm an adult and I can just leave. A lot of it yeah, is, is really that image of if it sucks, hit the bricks. Like you can just leave. Like, Okay. I'm going to be controversial, controversial. Mm. I'm going to be controversial for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, say also maybe consider that you're not weird, but like maybe, maybe you're being a little bit obnoxious. And sometimes that's something that you don't have to do anything with your personality to, to change because I feel like um, I have a, well, I'm not going to say a high tolerance for autism because that makes it sound like there's some, that it's something that needs to be tolerated. But I have, (laughs) I think like a friend group that consists of a very high percentage of Mm -hmm. autistic people. And that I think that like a lot of the, the um, like behaviors that other people might find weird or off putting are like pretty normal to me because it's like something I grew up around and is just like uh, qualities of friends of mine that I really like. So I don't care. Um, But, but little things like, um, I noticed sometimes, especially when I was younger, that some of my friends would like try to start a conversation with someone new that they wanted to be friends with and start it by like sharing a lot about a thing that they're excited about. Mm. And then that person would kind of get like weirded out because they are confused about why why this person is being like so open with them all of a sudden. Um, And I feel like there's like ways that you can like... um, sort of just like warn people well, not warn people but I like i think like, channel signal that that's things. like that that's like what you're about to do that doesn't like catch people by surprise which can literally just be like i want to talk with you like before yeah. you launch into your like mm-hmm. speech like being like i want to talk with you about this thing that i'm interested in and yeah. then do it Mm-hmm. And then I think if it comes off less like, whoa, surprise. And someone's like, oh yeah, cool. Like I'm, yeah, I want to yeah. hear about that. And- yeah. <laughs> to me, to me, a lot of it is like, I have started a lot of conversations with people that I have, especially like met over the internet, because I know that that's like a very typical way for autistic people to meet other people, but also it's a very typical way for me to do it. Um, I just started off with like, Hey, we follow each other. You seem cool. I'd like to be friends. And then I just like yeah, continue think, to talk to them. Being you can be a lot more like honest with people <laughs> than you like think about like you don't have to like start with like a strategy of like I understand like you're like let me tell them all the knowledge I know about this thing because then they'll be like um not yeah, impressed by like my a, knowledge like but mutual, more like if it's like a mutual interest and you think oh like the way to make friends with this person is by like sharing with them everything that I know about this thing that I know that they also care about and they will want to be my friend. But now this person is like, why has this stranger told me all this information that I might (laughs) even already know? (laughs) Yeah. And so I think like being honest about like, I would like to be your friend and and you can then, be a lot like, more blunt with people than <laughs> than you think. I'm so serious. Yeah. Like I do that all the time. I'm just like, hey, I'd like to be friends. And, and I think ninety percent of the like, time they're like, that's cool. No, it, it works. Yeah. It works. It most works of the time every time. Most people most people want 
more friends. Yeah, a lot of people I, I are lonely, like people actually. feel like they don't have enough friends and they want more. I'm not lonely and I would love more friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, it's also a good way to, like, have um, good boundaries with yourself because I think it's, like, not nice to yourself to, like, be so vulnerable, whether it's, like, sharing your interests or sharing something personal to you with someone that you don't know, like, how they're going to receive that yet. And so, like, just by being honest and being, like, I want to talk with you about this thing because I know we're both interested in it or, like, because I want to be your friend or because I want to become better friends with you and giving them the opportunity to be, like, fuck off um, which might like hurt your feelings, but would probably hurt your feelings less than if they like started making like fuck off signals after you mm-hmm. like put in a lot more effort to become friends with them. I guess you can also be you, a lot more honest, I think, with your friends, friends than, than with the people you're aiming to be friends with than you think. I feel like there have been moments where like I think my friends don't quite realize like that when I'm like talking excited, like, like not even friend people that we know, but like mutually, but like, there's just been moments in my life where I think some people who I've talked to has been, have been like, all right, slow down, like chill out. And they think that they're being joking with me doing that. And I can literally just say like, Hey, um, so that hurt my feelings like a little bit. It's no big deal. And I understand if like, sometimes, um, I'm like overwhelming you with too much, but in the future, if you could tell me in a more constructive way, I'd really appreciate that. And almost always, they're very responsive. People don't actually want to hurt you. Um, some people just don't know what to do with you or with themselves, and they react poorly. I've had yeah, plenty I of friends who like... Sometimes what feels like rejection or like by someone being weirded out by you is like maybe someone that's not like rejecting you, but who is like weirded out. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't maybe mean that they aren't, like, interested in being in, your friend. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that that means that at all. I think in some ways you can – I think they would – most of the time when I've told somebody, like, that hurts my feelings and I wish you wouldn't do that. And Or if you do have something to say, can you say it in a more constructive way that doesn't lead to my feelings getting hurt and me feeling, like, shut down um, rather than, like – and like, like a way for us to progress the conversation and not just stop it completely. And most of the time they're just horrified that they made me feel bad. Um, most people do not want to make other people feel bad. Even people that they don't necessarily like want to be great friends with. Yeah. Um, unless you're in high school. Yeah. And then maybe not. Then they, know? then they do. Um, <laughs> I think if you are in high school, then you should become the bully. Yeah. That's something that people don't realize that you can do is like, if everyone is rejecting you, you can just be mean to them. Mm-hmm. And that's how you win. I, uh, I, I don't agree with you this. Can. No, you can become a snob. Develop. Okay, the like, snob a lot is of, fine. I thought you meant like, just the then, bu- like a bully bully. Like, like somebody's just like, I did. Yeah. Punching I people for that. lunch. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> using physical intimidation because i have i have mind powers Mm -hmm. but i did enact psychological warfare on various people who were like not nice to me and i would just in turn like make them feel really bad about themselves Mm -hmm. for not being as cool as me no one ever expects you to do that 
when they're yeah. bullying you. They think that you're going to go, oh, oh, me, I'm so sad. But what if you go, uh, wow, you're a loser, um, <laughs> and you make them feel like they're very uncool for even trying to talk to you. So those are so, that's my yeah. advice. So it's, in summary, like, it's okay in high to be school, f- become a bully. In high school, become a bully. It's okay to be found out as someone who's autistic. That's okay. Um, you don't even have to tell people. Like, like if if you if you're found out, okay. And like that's fine. The way to make make new friends, friends with other. As always, put on outfits. Go to the club. Put on outfits. Go to the club. Um, but if they're autistic, they might not be going to the club. It's too loud. They could, um, they could well, okay, but they could wear, uh, like, earplugs. Earplugs. Okay, go to the club in your cute little outfit and your earplugs. Uh, be more honest with people um, and find ways to be a little more constructive about the way that you exhibit your mannerisms but not hide them, you know? And I think yeah. that's the main Okay. Those are the main points. Do you, do you want to do uh, one more and then call it? Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's oh, wait, do it. actually, <laughs> I'm going to read this one, but I think, um, I don't think it's going to take us very long. Okay. Uh, this one's also in my Tumblr. It says, do you think, do you actually think the Soviet Union didn't do anything <laughs> wrong? I found Big Soy Naturals through Guerrilla Radio Show. And I like Kendall's takes on TikTok, but having listened to a few episodes, it's hard for me to tell if you are joking sometimes, especially when you say things like Stalin could have taken a firmer hand with the Polish. You basically uh, also swipe all critiques of anything you don't like as DSA bullshit, but... (laughs) You have to factually acknowledge that the Soviet Union did kill hundreds of thousands of people. I think that this is a question (laughs) just for me. (laughs) I think that they're saying that they like you and they like our our friends. They like me because they think I'm more of a leftist than a communist, but they don't like you, you filthy commie. (laughs) No, I did say that Stalin could have taken a further hand with the Polish. um, You did Um, did say that a while ago, yeah, on the Guerrilla Radio Show. What you don't know is that I... Um, used to be part of the Polish Heritage Parade every year oh. until I was an adult. I used to go to New York City and be in the Polish Heritage Parade. Wh- why were you in the parade? Like, what, what did you do in the parade? I was did celebrating just, like, Polish heritage. I'm just saying, like, were you, on, were you on a float? <laughs> did you, like, play an instrument? Sometimes. Sometimes I was on a float. Okay, okay. I am not Polish, but I... Yeah, that's I'm, why I was... <laughs> I'm happy to celebrate Polish heritage. And I, mm-hmm. I started going to the festival. Or to, Let uh, it be known the behind the paywall uh, every that year Virgil the loves the Polish. Seven. Yeah, no, I, I th- no, I think that there's actually something incredible about like the culinary output that from a culture that is like so... Um, sexually repressed um like due to the catholicism that they have like no um 
concept of like having like vanity over their bodies mm-hmm. like at all so they're just not thinking about it um except for, for with shame mm-hmm. um and then also like it's really cold so they need to like eat a lot of dense foods like the the foods that places like that put out which is like Pol- poland yeah incredible incredible yeah. food. no i i love a good cabbage very roll. filling i i love um like what is it like they they have these like kebabs that are like very specific but I forget their name. They're so juicy and tender. Every time and I have you one of those, to, like ask your babushka and be like, mm, like is does this have macros? Like is this gonna help me like, like get my ass fat? She would be very confused. I I guess actually it's not babushka, but it would be babcha. Babcha, yeah, it's Polish. Yeah. See, I know. I know things. Anyway, um, my response to this question is fuck off. Um, (laughs) And uh, I hope you enjoy listening to Kendall's TikToks, knowing that Mm -hmm. Kendall doesn't like you. Um, I don't. I really don't. (laughs) And Um, I I wish I knew what your username was so I could block you. Like, that's... You want those views, though. You want the likes. I think it's kind of annoying that they're like, I like Kendall's takes on TikTok, but I don't like their friend that they make a podcast with. Like, what are you saying about me exactly that you like, that you don't like about Virgil? And I feel like it's that you like, you like my TikTok, which like to me says that you think that I'm like vaguely leftist, which get out of here. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just like, I don't like that you like me for my TikTok and not my podcast. I think Honestly, is the main thing. They're not. They're not wrong though. I do kind of say that anything that I don't like is DSA bullshit. But here's <laughs> the thing: I'm not wrong. <laughs> um, okay. The uh, final question is: um, When you on the podcast talk about how porn is bad. Could you help me understand or define what the difference is between pornography and erotic art? I can't see a way of articulating this that doesn't get in the way of free expression of sexuality and as a result, more suppression of queer people like what we see with drag performers getting called sexual and groomers. Um, Simply put, to me, it's about... um the the production like of, well, of the you know work. like the the like cheeky answer to this is like you know it when you see it yeah which like you kind of do um also i think that like the question is coming from a place of like how do we define these terms so that we can abolish one but not the other through like institutional means and like that's not really something that I have any interest in doing. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not trying to like vote my way legally, into not having porn. <laughs> yeah, like legally define what porn is and then like make it illegal. I am just like telling um you that if you follow nothing but like Instagram baddies um and little you know little freaks on wherever and and then you go to whatever website that you go to and then you're watching watching whatever all day long like that I don't I don't really fuck with you yeah to me to me simply put if you really want to know I feel like the difference is 
is the production like the like and I'm talking about like the production line. I'm not talking about like the guy behind the camera during a porn shoot. I'm talking about like the exact like line of production and who is being exploited along the way of that production line. Um, well, okay, but how would you like take that response to someone who's like, but what about amateur pornography or like camming? Well, again, like then then you have to think about like who their boss is because it's because it's not like again you're thinking about independent contracting, right? OnlyFans, amateur pornography. Yeah, OnlyFans is DoorDash for pussy. It's it's DoorDash I for want, pussy, and it's, I want it's, everyone it's, to know that. And so your boss is essentially a, a tech conglomerate who gives you no benefits and users who may or may not respect your humanity as a human being. So to me like amateur pornography still exists within the line. And I understand the difference between like erotic art, I feel like, and um, pornography. And some of that might still like end up in a line towards like, um, like exploitation of somebody down the line. But I do feel like advocating for the devil Mm -hmm. a little bit, but like, how does, cause I think it's, if, that is the distinction that we're making, then, like, obviously there's going to be, like, forms of erotic art where people have a boss mm-hmm. or are, like, having their labor exploited because it's not, like, artists. Yeah, famously you know? <laughs> are great at- um, <laughs> But, yeah, so, or, no, that artists, like, aren't having their, their labor exploited. So I think that it is, it is really just, like, a, you, you know it when you see it. And I mm-hmm. think maybe the other thing that you're, like, getting at that, um, is like that there is a there's a commodification aspect yeah. of like sexuality or someone's body um, that is, is different from present. expression of of yeah. sexuality in your body. You know that that's yeah. really the main difference, and you do know it when you see it. Is the difference between those two things? But if you don't know it when you see it, there are ways for you to um, better yeah, understand. Yeah, I mean, not just like a book, but like I feel like you could you could do a lot of reading up on. Um, like Pornhub in particular, since it's like the number one, you know, distributor of free pornography on the internet. Um, they have a very long and sordid history with labor exploitation, with revenge porn, with things that are really, really terrible. And if you have the stomach for it, I think you could easily understand where like the market yeah, of production I, goes think- for that kind of like the commodification like line ends up and the line is not like um you know as like clearly defined as maybe you would like it to be because um for example a little a little story about me when I was 15 years old I took some sexy photos on my nv2 um (laughs) and then I I said them to like I sent them to everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I, I was like, oh, I look good. <laughs> and I sent it to several people. Um, and then like a few weeks later, uh, my classmate was on the school computer 
looking at porn as you know as mm-hmm. one does in high school um and was on um is anybody up which was the like Hunter yeah Moore i remember revenge yeah. porn site and then he was like hey isn't this you and i was like oh yeah that is me um and that was how i ended up on is anybody up when i was 15, 15. and it it actually took a very long time to get it taken down. Uh, yeah. Hunter Moore did not care about how old I was. But, like, when it was me on my NV2 um, sending sending my sexy photo to 50 of my closest friends, <laughs> I think, you know, that's that's erotic art. That's yeah. a, uh, an expression <laughs> of my, my sexuality. And then when it ended up on Hunter Moore's website... That's that was pornography. Mm-hmm. And it was actually child pornography. It was yeah. it was a federal crime. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not usually like interested the, in in the legal like we said before we're not interested in legalities <laughs> until a certain point maybe. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, like uh, abolish prisons, but that yeah. I'm not saying that consequences can't happen yeah. to Hunter Moore, although I am obsessed with his current Twitter presence. Oh. Um, I don't know if you've looked at it I lately, but he is mostly like lamenting that 2012 is over, and he's like, "Y'all wouldn't last." <laughs> what in happened to Coney? Because <laughs> <laughs> like that was when he, you know, that was before he went to mm-hmm. to prison for uh, child pornography and revenge porn. And um, in 2012, he was just like, I think he was like dating MySpace famous ladies mm-hmm. and like yeah. partying with Jeffree Star. So he he really misses those days. Mm. But like, so I think that the the like line is is like it is murky, and it is like murky because we exist under capitalism. Something that like is someone's genuine expression of sexuality can also be like be or become. It can also it can be or become pornography, and I think that it's you know you know you know it when you see it. Yeah, um, you know, and I'm- I think that like. You I understand. know what you're doing when you're intentionally seeking out pornography versus like when you happen to be around or receive or support like artistic expressions of sexuality or like someone that you knows like personal expression of their sexuality. Like I it's you know, it's like, you know, you know what you're doing. Yeah. And, and I'm not trying like to put compulsion. anyone in prison yeah. for looking at porn. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like you're making your brain weird. I understand your compulsion to want to defend, like, um, expressions of sexuality because you understand the historical precedent of um, sex and sensuality, especially for queer people, like you said, being exploited. But the thing is, is that what we're interested in doing has nothing to do with um, legalities, federal laws, um Yeah, I don't want to see any consequences happen to, like, people who um, produce or are part of, like, the production of pornography that aren't, like, exploiting other people. I would like to see consequences happen to the people that are, like, exploiting those workers. Mm -hmm. But those are the same consequences that I want to see happen to, like, the CEO of Amazon, yeah, which is it's the consequence of someone getting their head removed from their shoulders. Yeah, it maybe getting beat like, up with hammers, um, you know, like <laughs> it's not um, a, a change that I am interested or have, have ever tried to like organize for 
through like legal um, or institutional means. Yeah, we're we're and not trying to rock confusing. the vote um, <laughs> to get people to stop coming to <laughs> like naked yeah. women online. That's not really our uh, <laughs> our goal no. here. And, like, my my interest and perspective on this like comes from like a personal history that I have in some capacity uh, with sex work as well as also just like, and so like, I guess having, having like an interest in that from like a labor perspective, as well as also like a, like a feminist one of, eh, you know, I don't know if it's that great. Um, yeah. I to mean, to, to understand various people into like commodified sexual categories and then sell, sell those categories to consumers for uh, sexual gratification. And I, I think, I think, you know, it when you see it and that's, yeah. that's all. <laughs> yeah. Again, well, like you were, you mentioned before, like, what about amateur pornography? And I think one of the things that, you know, we can mention and I'm towing the line here, trying not to like make it sound like I'm saying like, if you jerk off, you're going to grow hair on your palms or some shit, but more like, when you are performing sex and sensuality for an audience, even if it's one of genuine expression, there is a very thin veil between your self-expression and their desires towards you um, and how that affects you mentally. Like the, the barrier between you and um, the people on OnlyFans is not as like thick as you think. Um, and I feel like yeah, the social, well, like you, I'm seeing a lot of the, like the, on, the only fans of it all yeah. is the, like, that is the issue there because like someone like sending a sexy video to 100 of their closest friends, <laughs> or even like, like making that's, a that's sexy art it. house film, you know, like yeah. whatever. Or filming a sex tape with your, with your freaky girlfriend. Yeah. Like all of that is like, that's up to you what mm-hmm. you want to do with like your your body like how you want to to be sexual not my business I don't care but then when you are like putting it on onlyfans.com and you and need money you are trying <laughs> yeah and you're trying to pay your rent with it and onlyfans is taking 50% of what you make and now you're having to like tailor that like expression to fit an the, audience. the like desires of like a paying audience and also like to fit the requirements of OnlyFans um and like knowing you know how to like work the platform it, it just like it it changes it yeah. changes things yeah. um and it like leads to a lot of potential like exploitation of someone's labor and uh, like sometimes greater exploitation than that because like while OnlyFans may seem to be like self-directed, amateur, whatever, that's not the case for many performers on there. A lot of them, a lot of them have a secret boss that mm. you don't know about. Yeah. And it looks it looks amateur like, because you can direct anything to look like anything. Like that Twitch and girl recently I, who, like, yeah, we, f- we found out that her husband was, like, her, her ex-husband now was, like, literally exploiting her for money. And then everybody got mad speculate. because they found out that she was married and not sexually available. Yeah. Like, 
Well, and we don't need to like speculate on like who has a pimp and who doesn't because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, not, it's not a, well, it, I guess it is, it is, our business, of- it is our business to an extent, but it like kind of doesn't matter so much for like the impact of it. And I think that like, regardless, the they, that they that have a boss, on, the boss yeah. is exploiting if- them, whether the boss is just only fans or the boss is only fans and then their boyfriend or only fans and then their audience and then their boyfriend or one of the combination of like a combination of all three of those. That that was how um, fucking Andrew Tate was making his money. So as some of you may know, Andrew Tate is biracial. And yeah, I had to break um, the news of this to you when uh, he got arrested. (laughs) Yeah. It hurt my feelings um, to, to learn this, but it makes complete sense. And when I learned this about him, I naturally became curious about his black father and his relationship with his father. And that was when I learned that while like his father in, you know, like blurbs about Andrew Tate will get described as like a chess master. Mm -hmm. What is actually true is that he won some chess tournaments against against some like chess masters mm-hmm. but mostly was like broke riding the bus like while he had a kid uh-huh. like not seeing his kid going to different chess tournaments like low level ones and then bragging to everyone there about how he won like a tournament one time um <laughs> And, like, not hanging out with his son and also, like, mm-hmm. not making money because he was, like, going to these, like, low-level tournaments just to, like, brag and tell stories. Um, Andrew Tate seems to be, like, tweeting from prison. I'm not really sure how that's happening. I I assume think, it's kind I of like he, the Taylor Swift IDF, uh, anti-IDF prisoner, the Stan account. She was, well, she, she was, was not tweeting in prison, though. She came back and was like, hey, sorry, guys. Like, well, she I was, was in prison. well, she was, she did have some people, um, some friends of hers who um, took her letters and did transcribe them uh, occasionally while she was in prison. Um, mm-hmm. So it might okay. be like that. Well, Andrew Tate got on Twitter and was talking about how, like, quality time with your dad who isn't around is actually more impactful than quality time with your mom that raised you. And he shared the story about how his mom gave him, um, I guess, like a cutesy haircut when he was 13. And his dad, after like not being home for a long time, came back and saw his hair and immediately took him to the barber and shaved him bald. Um, and when he was like, dad, why are you doing this to me? He, he said, you're not going to be raised into a little bitch. You're a man. Like you don't need a haircut. You need to be a man. Um, and so naturally I went looking to see what does Andrew Tate's father's hair look like? And that oh. is the result of these photos that I'm sending you. Oh. And I I now completely understand why he had such a negative reaction to his son having a cute little haircut and wanted to shave him bald. Because um, his hair is unfortunate. Um, yeah. And I it's think that, bad. like, 
Learning about his black dad actually taught me everything that I needed to know about why he is the way that he is because Andrew Tate's father was born in the 50s to two black lawyers, like like a woman and a man, mm, black both lawyers. lawyers in the United States in the 50s. Like mm. he was born, I'm not like, I don't know if they were necessarily financially successful, but he was like born to like a, a tier of like success and achievement that was just not, um, it was not the reality for like many black people during that time. Right. And what he could have done was use that as like a leg up to go to a fancy school and like get, you know, like some kind of safe job like Mm -hmm. either working in finance or being a doctor being a lawyer like one of the things that people do to set themselves up um but instead what he did was uh be an absentee dad so that he could be broke on the bus play chess play chess tournaments but not but not high level chess tournaments no (laughs) mid and low level in order for him to have a like a fawning audience that he could brag to about the times that he did win at high level chess tournaments and then win very little money and not support his kids. And that was the role model that Andrew Tate has used for masculinity to be a sometimes UFC makes- fighter who <laughs> who won the occasional tournament and has a fawning audience that um, will be told yeah. how to act and speak um, in order and to it impress makes women. Complete sense to yeah. me. Like it's it's just like mediocrity, mm-hmm. um, and then like yelling that you're a man. Um, but the hairline, it's the hairline is so wildly bad, wildly bad. This is like cartoonishly bad. To to keep the 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 front piece. And then just kind of like, like it's real, like it's real, like uh, Simpsons hours to me. Um, mm-hmm. oh my you God. have a political obligation to be hot and have good hair, and that can mean being bald. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. It never means looking like Andrew Tate's dad. No. So a lesson to all of you who have receding hairlines: don't let it recede <laughs> in this way. there's something that you can do and it's either like you know you can put a hat on um (laughs) or um what's that like what's that chemical rogaine no it begins with an m um i'm i i forget (laughs) well i'm not sure there's a chemical. There's a chemical. And that also that makes your hair grow if you want that. Or you can shave your head. But you have a political obligation That's to That's what have doctors in the mid, in in the middle medieval times used to say. There's a chemical. <laughs> there's a chemical. <laughs> well there is, there is, okay? And and you have ailments. There's a chemical. There's a chemical and there's, there's prayer. There's four humors. And you can use either of those. To to there's leeches. Ask God to correct your hairstyle. Well, there is a chemical, okay? <laughs> I know. It begins with an M. I believe you. I really do. Don't put <laughs> leeches on your head. It will not grow back your hair. If anything, um, it might take some away. Um. So on that note, 
Um, that's it. Yeah. Bye. Bye.
enjoy your